Amen. Hey, everybody. I am so glad to be back. Um, it was an awesome time there in Dallas, Texas, but there is no place like home, y'all. There is nothing like being in your own bed. And one of the gifts that I got this year was this weighted blanket. <laughs> y'all, there is this little love affair going on between me and this weighted blanket. And it has the cooling action to it. And, and man, you get underneath it. And as soon as I pulled that blanket up when we got home, I pulled it up on me and I was like, oh, how I missed you, weighted blanket. And Vince just looked at me and shook his head. But I'm telling y'all, if you don't have one, go and get you one, especially for those of us who fight hot flashes. Ooh, that weighted blanket with the cooling action on it, it's amazing. But back to the sermon, amen? <laughs> I am so glad to be back home. Um, when we left off, on last week, I shared that this would be a two-part sermon, but as God is showing me the development of it, it's going to be longer than two parts. So don't think that we're not going to get to the shout because we really are. As I lay the foundation, as you gain revelation, as the Lord begins to open things up for you, that is where you begin to shout. So um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into our scripture. We are in Exodus, the 14th chapter. And we are going to begin at verse one. And it reads, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before a pie between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea for the, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a boldness. Somebody needs to highlight that. You need to underline it. They went out with a boldness because that is what we're going to do as we gain more revelation. So the Egyptians pursued them all of the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Hahirath before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Now that is where we stopped on last week. But the Lord took me a couple scriptures further this week and really highlighted them for me. And it reads, verse 15, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And we are going to continue on with part two of when the odds are against you manifest. Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly father, we come before you today, thanking you, Lord God, and praising you for you being God and being God all by yourself, for you loving us where we are, continuing to work with us to build us into who you have designed us to be. Father, I thank you for the foundation that is being torn up, broken up, 
beat up, Lord God, destroyed, that didn't work, things that we used in the past to get by. But Lord God, you are now rebuilding our temples and it is being founded on your word properly that we would be able to move forward in faith, conquering, Lord God, as we go. That we're not just going out this time, Lord God, but we are going out with a boldness, knowing that if you be for us, you are more than the world that could be against us. So we thank you, Jesus, for this day. We thank you for the season and the time in which we are in, even for the purpose that you have given to each and every one of us. Lord God, we cannot do this without you. So have your way in us like never before, God. Give us peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Show us how to look at the odds and be just like uh, Zechariah. He says, who are you to stand in the midst? You're nothing but a mere molehill. So Father, we praise you. And we bless you, God. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, for unveiling, for revealing, and Lord God, for showing us how to manifest you in everything that we do. We're doing all as if we're doing it unto you. And we bless you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah and amen. amen. Go ahead and praise the Lord. Blow up the check. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Shout on to God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, on last Sunday, we began by simply laying the foundation with part one of when the odds are against you manifest. Our scriptural focus comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, which says that we are to be always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So we are supposed to actually exemplify, we are supposed to actually exhibit all of the characteristics, all of the traits of Jesus Christ. We learned that during this year, we must resolve to change our practices in order to effectively advance the kingdom, accomplish the goals we've set with our God, and produce the re desired results for him and manifest the Lord Jesus Christ to the world, amen? Now understand that if you don't talk to the Lord, there is no way that you can produce the desired results that he needs to make changes in the earth with. Most people are sitting around waiting on God to do something. When we've been placed in the earth on purpose, for a purpose and with purpose. Psalm 115 and 16 says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. That's us. So he expects us to do something in the earth. God has a plan. He has desires. And when we have a responsibility as kingdom citizens to guard, govern, and God, it is his expectation that we would get these things done in the planet. Amen. We also looked at the importance of ensuring what we are going after actually aligns with what the Father wants done this year. We were to take a look at the things that we are putting our focus on, goals that we've set, to ensure that what is it that we're doing that God wants done at this time, as well as know what we are doing is within the timing of God. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose, that's the purpose you have within you, for every purpose under heaven. You don't have to be a philosopher or a scientist to know that times and seasons are a regular part of our everyday life, y'all. No matter where you are in the world, times and seasons will always be a regular part of life. For instance, when a child is conceived, a typical full-term pregnancy ranges from 38 weeks to 42 weeks. And during that time, while the baby is in utero, everything it will need to survive after birth is actually developing behind the scenes. 
They will go through many changes from the development of their organs uh, to getting bones and they'll develop ears. They'll get some eyes and tiny feet and little cute hands. What once was an egg and sperm will begin to develop over time and become a child that will grow. When the fullness of time comes, the woman gives birth and the baby will not struggle to live. But that's only if it makes it through to the fullness of time. And it's the same with ministry. When the fullness of time comes, you have to understand that everything the ministry needs will be present and it will have ability, capability to not only live, but it will strive and survive anything that comes against it. But it has to make it to what? The fullness of time. During the life of the child, one of the responsibilities of the parents is to do as Proverbs 22 and 6 says, it tells us to train them up in the way that they should go. That way, when they are older, they will not depart from it. In other words, they will provide them with the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding of the kingdom of God and how to know their purpose, what to do with the purpose that's been given to them in order to advance the kingdom of God, making earth, watch this, y'all, look like heaven. If you look around right now, I guarantee you cannot say this earth looks like heaven. All of the chaos, all of the things that's happening, the division, the divisiveness, all of the lies, none of that takes place in heaven. Psalm 22 and 30 says, a posterity, posterity means future generations, shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. That's part of our purpose. So whenever we're looking at ministry, we've got to understand that we can't just get to the place of birthing. We have to set this thing up so that it can survive and perpetuate onto future generations. Now, for those who will be joining in stay, you're gonna learn that one of the definitions of the word minister is to serve. It means to be a servant or service to, to wait on. We constantly teach every person that they were born on purpose, for a purpose, and with purpose. And part of our purpose is ministry, serving the Lord and ensuring that there is a godly posterity in the earth. People of God, the Lord has a plan for man in the earth, whether we understand it or not. And God is accomplishing his divine purposes, even though we may not always understand what it is that he is doing. But we must learn as we go through life, we have to trust in him with all of our hearts and stop depending on our own understanding in all of our ways. If we acknowledge God, if we talk to God, if we speak to him, if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness, everything else will be added unto us. God will direct our path. Amen. Amen. We also looked at the biblical definition of the word manifest. It can be found in the Strong's Concordance under uh, G5319, Greek 5319. It is the Greek word phanero'o, and it is defined as to make visible or known that which has been hidden or unknown, to make manifest by words or deeds or any other way, make actual, make visible. We identify that the sons of God, who we are, they, the ones that are led by the Spirit of God, have come to a place in time where the Lord is going to use those who have chosen to take him at his word. Not take him at what we think, but take him at his word, what we know. Those who have chosen and are willing to take the time to research the word, go underneath the floorboards with the word, to seek him while he may be found. Those who are willing to be discipled so that we can manifest him in the earth and advance his kingdom agenda. But here's the thing. He's looking for us to do it his way, y'all. We can't do it our way anymore. We've been found lacking in the area of replication as far as doing things the way that Christ would have done them. If you look at the accounts in the Bible, Christ never faltered. And he even taught the disciples to pray in Matthew 6 and 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The Bible says in Philippians 2 and 8 that Jesus was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even to the death of the cross. I hear someone saying, well, I'm not Jesus 
And the question for you on today is, why aren't you if you consider yourself part of the kingdom of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian? Can't use that word so loosely. If you look at 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, it tells us to examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself, it says. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Or somebody ought to touch their soul and say, Jesus Christ is within me. And it goes on to say, unless indeed you are disqualified. If you look at it in the King James Version, it actually says, unless you are already reprobate. If you know that you're still connected to the kingdom, if you know that you are still hearing the voice of God, if you know that you learning, you are learning to walk by faith and not by sight, you are not disqualified. If you still get convicted when you mess up, you are not reprobate yet. When you're reprobate, you actually no longer even care. And you teach others to do what you're doing that you know is wrong. Ooh, Jesus, somebody better hear that on today. If you are finding yourself telling and teaching people, your children, uh, your friends, your family, your neighbor, to do the wrong thing, you might want to be careful because it's a very good possibility you're behind this reprobate and you're disqualified. The sad part about it is, you won't be able to serve the way that God intends for you to serve. You will not make the impact that God needs you to make. And what you'll do is you'll just be wandering around in the wilderness for the rest of your life. You're going to have to make a choice. We are at a decision time, people of God. We've got to make a choice whether or not we are with God or we are against God. That line that I've been heralding for the last 10 years about the line being drawn in the sand about the point where we are, where we've got to choose which side we're on, we are here. This is that day. That's what I've been talking about. That's what God has been having me to herald to each and every one of you. We're in that season and in that time. And you've got to make a choice. I, um, I believe that I told you guys um, last week, and if I didn't, please say something in the chat. But last Sunday, I, I believe that I told you this, and it may have been the intercessors that I told this to. But what I saw was there was a huge door. It was really, really big. And with this door, I don't think that I told you guys this because OC's looking blank, so that means I told the intercessors. We were, it, I was with people, and this is what I saw. I was with people, and there was this huge door. And we were standing at the door, and the door was like made of like stone or something, but it was huge. But I saw it and it was moving. And as it was moving, it was closing. And what was crazy about this door is as it was closing, I could see darkness on the other side of the door. But as we closed, the light got brighter on the side that we were on. And I believe that what God is saying is don't get caught on the wrong side right now. Because that window of time where we had to, to make mistakes the way that we used to that time is closing it's coming to an end it's wrapping up it doesn't mean that jesus is coming tomorrow but what it does mean is don't get caught on the wrong side because it's going to be harder for you it's going to be more difficult when we walk we are to walk circumspectly not as fools this is coming a download straight from the kingdom of heaven i am here to tell you because none of what i'm talking about is in my notes so it, it, we are, it's high time to awake out of sleep, people of God. I am warning you prophetically as an apostle of God, letting you know we cannot get caught on the wrong side. Please hear me. I am making a plea to your spirit man that your spirit man may arise in this time and season that your flesh would be crucified and that you would walk by faith and not by sight. There's a shift. It's already taken place. And you've got a choice. You can either shift with God or you can find yourself on the other side of that door. Romans 8 and 19 in the NLT says, for all creation is waiting eagerly, eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children are. We have got to make the choice this year, this era. We are going to move from revelation to manifestation. 
We're going to refuse to be moved by the tricks and the wiles of the enemy any longer. Praise you, Jesus. The world, the world, those who are without Jesus Christ, they literally want to know if this God is real. And they're looking for us to make our God visible, to ensure his name, his power, his rulership is known and no longer hidden. This is our time to make manifest the God in us by what we speak out and watch come to pass, by what we put our hands to and we plow the ground and watch the fruit begin to produce. Through our actions and deeds and how we treat one another, people of God, this is our chance to make our God actual, to make him visible on display for the entire world to see. It's time for the true sons of God to arise and shine for our time has come to manifest our God in the earth in Jesus' name. It's high time to separate ourselves from the darkness and to walk in his marvelous light. Now, lastly, we looked at the timeline of events in 1 Corinthians and examined ourselves against the challenges that Paul faced with the people of Corinth. The greatest disappointment was how the leaders, those who were stationed, positioned to guard in the temple, allowed insurgents to breach the head and begin to shift the direction of the infant church that Paul had established there. We must be willing to fight for what we believe and not allow man, woman, or demon to derail us any longer. We must know what God is calling us to. Identify the odds that will come against us and, 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 and what it is that God is asking of us so that we can push through, set a plan to overcome every obstacle, every difficulty, every hardship, every interference to defeat the odds that are against us in Jesus' name. We are going to show the world that you can't curse those whom God has blessed. And you can't stop the will of God for my life. Kamika touched on it and she ain't even know that this was in here. He will complete that which he has begun until the day that Jesus Christ returns. He will perfect those things concerning us. Please know, if you have a title this year, you are going to be required by our God, not by me, by our God, to not just say who you are in title, but you are gonna have to show and prove who you are and whose you are. We will manifest the very presence, the nature, the character, and the power of the living God right here on earth in Jesus' name. Which brings us to our lesson on today. Now the thing is, I know, I promised y'all that we were gonna shout. Now for me, I'm already shouting. Because what God is doing is he's jackhammering up all those things that stopped, blocked, and hindered us. And he's resetting everything so that we can build properly. But here's the thing that God showed me on this morning. And it, and it really blessed me. Because as I took a look at it, I was like, oh my God, Lord, that, that's just crazy. He showed me in Joshua, the sixth chapter, verses 20 and 21. Now in Joshua 6, what he showed me was this. The people were about to be blessed. They were about to take territory for the king. And he was giving it to them, giving it into their hands with no problem. Now he gave them instructions. On last week, a whole lot of instructions have been given. Every Bible study, instructions are given. Every sermon, instructions are given. And here's where we make the mistake. We preach y'all happy, you shout, you jump around, but you miss what's supposed to happen after the shout. Check this out. In Joshua 20, or Joshua 6, verse 20, it says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. God had told them for the first six days, you are going to just simply walk around Jericho. Don't say nothing. Just walk around one time. But on the seventh day, you're going to go around it seven times. And he says, you're going to bear the Ark of the Covenant, and you're going to have the praisers to go before you. And when the priests blow with the long sound, then you are going to shout. Watch this. It says, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout. They believed God's word. They took him at his word and they manifested. It says, they shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Did y'all catch that? Because what it just said is this, God gave them instructions. 
They shouted, but then came the work. Guess what? The shout is the beginning of the work. The shout is not the end where God does everything. God allowed their shout to take down the wall that was blocking them from taking what belonged to them. The shout was the beginning of the work. In verse 21, it says, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man, woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. So once you get into the place where God moves the blocking, the hindrance, the thing that's been stopping you, the work actually begins. You still got to fight once you get past the wall. So we got to stop always looking for a shout, y'all. We got to stop always looking to be preached to where we're happy because happiness is based on things happening. Understand the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why we go into the presence of the Lord to get the joy of the Lord. Weeping may endure for a night, y'all, but guess what? As I seek my God, as he gives me answers, oh, my joy is coming in the morning. So we need to stop looking for a shout. If we go ahead and look at our text on today, I want us to take an examination of the book of Exodus. So I'm definitely coming back next week. I don't know who was up to preach, but you've just been replaced by me. Praise his name. Go on and give yourself, go ahead and shout. Ah, hallelujah, right? Go ahead, do that, right? So y'all don't have, whoever it was, I don't know who it was, but you just, amen. Oh, see, you just got a day off. Praise his name. Because I'm going to preach again next week. Hallelujah. Because I, I've got to lay this foundation so that you know how to fight. That's the problem. We go in and, and we're trying to fight like we're fighting a natural thing. We're not fighting something natural. We wrestle not. Come on. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we've got to know how to fight this thing. And so I'm really going to dig this up so that you can understand what you are fighting. So if you look at the book of Exodus, the overarching or the overall theme is that God sets us free so that we might serve him. Remember that word serve means what? Minister. This book begins by showing us the hardship, the thing that the children of Israel suffered while being in Egypt. Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel after he wrestled with an angel all night long to get his blessing, had passed away and his family was now living in Egypt. His son Joseph, who was the governor of Egypt, had also passed away and another Pharaoh came in who didn't know Joseph and the work that he did to save Egypt from the famine. Now here's the funny thing about it. In the annals of history, whoever this new Pharaoh was should have known all that Joseph had done. Why? It was Joseph who put the plans in place to get all the land that Jesus, uh, Egypt had acquired by being prepared when the famine came, making Egypt the sole supplier of food to all the surrounding places. Because of this new Pharaoh, a new king that didn't know Joseph, he didn't have any understanding of the debt that Egypt really owed him. He ended up fearing the children of Israel and decided to enslave them to try to shut them down because they had grown so big. As I was rereading this account, I recognized that the devil is so intimidated by the people of God and our ability to do whatever it uh, takes to manifest the kingdom of God, that he, in turn, will do whatever it takes to make us feel like the odds are stacked so high against us that it is impossible for us to overcome or get out beyond what we are facing. The devil literally fears our potential to manifest God in our situation. If we look at Exodus chapter one, it says, and he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. But what amazes me is our response to the Pharaoh-like situations in our lives. Instead of us tapping into the guy who lives on the inside of us, instead of sitting before the king to gain the instructions on how to defeat our enemy, instead of using the power and authority he has given us as his representatives in the earth to defeat his arch enemy, excuse me, let me take a sip. All right, 
Let me say that again. Instead of tapping into the God who lives on the inside of us, instead of sitting before the king to gain the instructions on how to defeat our enemy, instead of using the power and authority he has given us as his representatives in the earth to defeat his arch enemy, we cry, we whine, and we say, why aren't you doing something about it, God? While we're crying and whining, whining, waiting on God to do it for us, he's waiting on us to tap into who we really are and to manifest the one who already defeated the one who's coming against us. The Bible shows us how the enemy sets up odds against us so that we won't even try to manifest the power of God. Believing our situation is too impossible. Verse 11 says, the Egyptians set taskmasters, brutal slave drivers over them to afflict or oppress them in a vicious manner, hoping to wear them down so that they would believe it was impossible to defeat the odds and come out of their situation. Oppression is when you load or burden a person or people with unreasonable impositions. You literally force them to do whatever it is that you want them to do taking away their right to choose in order to get what you want from them. That is literally witchcraft. Oppression is the work of the devil because God gives us what? Free will. We have a right to choose. When our special guest was here, she explained how when she tried to say the name of Jesus, she couldn't. And the enemy tried his best to make her feel as if the odds were so stacked against her that it was impossible for her to get out. So many Christians today experience this. And the question on today is, the devil is doing his job. The question is, are you doing yours? What are you manifesting when you feel oppressed? In order to defeat it, we must first know what it looks like in today's world. Oftentimes we don't find ourselves in the Bible. We don't find our answers in the Bible because we don't have time to stop and think, what would this look like on today? How is this manifesting on today? It is no longer legal to enslave people in the United States in this way, but in what ways could the devil be oppressing us? In what ways is he making us slaves to him? In what ways is he making us feel as if every odd is against us so that we don't believe we can manifest the power of God to defeat him on today? Remember, you cannot break free from what you don't understand, nor can you manifest that which you don't understand. So let's take a deeper look at demonic oppression and how it can manifest on today. Demonic oppression is the work of evil spiritual forces that urge us to sin. It urges us to deny God's word, to come into agreement with it so we can't manifest God's word, to feel spiritually dead, and to be in bondage to simple, sinful things. This spirit works to get us off track so that we cannot fulfill the call on our lives. The enemy's purpose is to war against God, war against God's people, and they even war against unbelievers as well. The enemy is an equal opportunist, amen? He don't care who you are. He wants to be able to possess everybody ultimately. His goal is to bring as many people as possible into rebellion against God and into condemnation so that they can all go to hell with him. Now understand that demonic oppression can be experienced in various ways. One way that it can be experienced is through physical ailments, such as sleeplessness, nightmares, strong anxiety, self-mutilation, addictions, and physical illness. Spiritual deadness, that includes apathy and anger towards God, towards God's word, towards God's answers, interest in false religions and systems. It can also uh, manifest emotionally, upheaval, uh, such as regular outbursts of anger, high and low emotional levels that they call or have labeled bipolar. That's actually oppression, it's a demon. Self-justification, 
self-gratification, fear, hopelessness, abnormal fixation. It can also appear in the form of financial difficulties, such as constant and unusual financial pressures. Sometimes numerous things will all go wrong at one time very quickly, and it causes such a great financial strain that it causes you to collapse under the pressure of what you're dealing with. Before you know it, we find ourselves giving in to the pressure, giving in to the thought that God has forgotten about us, giving in to the belief that we have to settle for less than the promises of God. When scripture tells us that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, we have overcome the world because greater is he who lives where? Within me, than he that is in this world. For too long out of ignorance, we have made the mistake of trying to coexist with the enemy when God never intended for our adversary to be a cohabitant in our lives. When fear and anxiety surface, we're not supposed to do things to figure out how to live life with them. We're supposed to manifest the power of God and make them leave our lives. God has sent me here on today to draw attention to the devil at work in our lives so that we will no longer be ignorant to Satan's devices and have the ability to defeat him in the name of Jesus. People of God, it's time to stand up and defeat the devil. But in order to understand the strategies of war so that we can win the war and not just win the battle, we must first understand the weapons that are being used against us by our enemy. You will never see a United States soldier go over to another country to engage in battle without first understanding the type of weapons that they use. They'll always understand the strategies that are necessary to be successful in the battle. We talked with our son Curtis and he shared how they would already have a battle plan in place before they would even go to another uh, area. before they went into another country. Now he was actually on the ship going over to help the country. They were administering um, inoculations to people. They were providing food. They were doing all kinds of great things. But prior to going over there, they knew who the enemy was. They knew how the enemy would fight and they wouldn't go prepared. They actually had a crew who was up in the air watching and they would know before the enemy would even advance against them. That's the problem with so many in the body of Christ on today. We go in prematurely without first gaining the intel that we need, making an assessment of the areas of strength and even knowing our own developmental opportunities. We don't identify what we could encounter and set a plan that will defeat the odds against us. So what happens is we go in half cocked and then we struggle with believing that God can and God will through us when the enemy returns fire. Because believe me, the moment you set out to do what God has called you to do, the enemy is coming for you. He's not going to stop. And even when you're not doing what God needs you to do, he's going to hold you captive so that you can't do nothing else but what he wants you to do. That is oppression. The main weapon that is used against the people of God is oppression. It is the same weapon that the devil used against the children of Israel, but yet he was unsuccessful. Yet he still uses the same tricks against us today because we continue to fall for what? The same tricks over and over and over again because we don't understand the weapon he's using. Exodus 1 and 12 says, the more the enemy oppressed them, the more they multiplied and grew. So the first thing we must deal with is the lie designed to kill your motivation that says because you are being oppressed or feeling the pressure that God has forgotten about you. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. This scripture shows us that oppression is meant to cause our growth and our elevation, amen? Now that you know it's nothing but God when the very, uh, now that you know it is nothing but God when the very thing your enemy is trying to use for your destruction causes you to grow and expand. That's how you know that is nothing but God in you. Somebody in here on today has a boss that's been riding you like a horse. Like the children of Israel, this boss has been trying to make you put out more than your body can physically handle. But I hear the Lord saying on today, 
all things are working together for your good. The very person that is trying to hinder your progress will be removed from your life. And just like Pharaoh and his army, the enemy you see today, you shall see no more. It's time to rise up in the truth and manifest my power. The odds may be stacked against you, but I am in you. I am for you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, if we take a look at the definition of oppression, again, it simply means the exercise of authority or power in a burdensome, cruel, or unjust manner. When you are dealing with oppression, it causes heaviness and you feel burdened every time you begin to walk in your calling or if you try to step out in faith. You will battle this anytime you attempt to do the things God has called you to do. Oppression doesn't just stop with resistance, but it goes a step further and it causes anxiety. The next step is it begins to affect you, not only mentally, causing you to question the truth about God and his word, but it also affects you physically. You will be tired and overwhelmed all the time. If you are experiencing these things, these are the effects of an oppressive enemy that is plaguing your soul, and God wants you to stand up and fight. God wants you to believe his word. He wants you to begin to exercise your faith the same way that you would exercise with weights and you would begin to build your muscle. Your faith is a muscle and the more that you use it, the stronger it becomes. There are a few oppressive influences that Satan uses in order to keep us from receiving the promises of God and walking in the fullness of God. Most of us don't even realize what it is that we're dealing with, so we just keep going in circles, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. We act just like the children of Israel, going round and around the base of the mountain, and any time that God takes longer to answer than we think he should, we revert back to our old ways of thinking, and shortly thereafter, our actions follow what we are meditating on, and we manifest the wrong thing. God wants to deliver us from this Egypt mentality or that mindset that keeps you from fighting for the promises of God and the prophecies that have been spoken over your life. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But where do these types of thoughts come from, you might ask? Well, that's what we're going to explore a little more on today. So God had to show me through a series of events in my own life where oppression was in effect against me. I'll never forget being a new pastor. Knowing that I was clearly called, I had heard God audibly, there was no question. I will never forget it as long as I live. God has shown me through many signs that I was walking the path that he had laid for me. Now I understand that we can find struggle in our lives when we're not walking the path that God has led for us too. But in this case, it was because I was going on the path that he had me on. Now, if you find yourself in a struggle because you're not walking the path that God has led you on, that type of oppression is meant to turn you away from the sin and turn you back to God. But I'm talking about being obstructed when you know that God has shown you, when you know that God has called you, when you know that God has already qualified you, yet you still feel like the odds are against you and you're losing the battle when you serve a big God and you know that you should be winning. I will never forget, I was struggling week after week after week, just trying to write my sermon for Sunday morning. I had never had a problem writing anything before, and now all of a sudden, I couldn't even get a clear thought through on a piece of paper. The Lord would speak to me and give me some of the greatest revelation Monday through Saturday, but Sunday would come. I'd start feeling sick to my stomach. My stomach would be bubbling all morning. Nobody was allowed to use that upstairs bathroom. If they even looked at that upstairs bathroom, there would be a small scuffle in the hallway, amen? I'm just telling the truth. There was so much confusion. And as I was studying, none of what I was reading seemed to make any sense. Then every possible distraction in the world would come. My workload would increase. I was putting in 12 to 14 hours a day. My phone was ringing off the hook. And everybody that called me, I was the only person in the world that could help I don't care what the situation was. I was the only one who would be able to assist them with whatever their crisis was. Now, how are you going to be in crisis and in a crisis at the same time? That's beyond me. 
but that's a whole nother sermon for a different time, amen? So I was dealing with oppression in the worst kind of way. And I didn't get it. I didn't catch it. It started to really bother me and it caused me to question whether or not I was really called to do what I knew. Do you hear me? What I knew the Lord had said, what he had told me clearly. It started out with a simple thought. Maybe you weren't supposed to start a church just yet. Maybe you didn't hear God. Maybe you thought it was God and really it was you just desiring to start your own church. Even though when God spoke to me and called me, he gave me scriptures, his word, to back everything I heard him say. When he called me to preach, I remember saying to him, Lord, I don't even know enough scripture because I was so new into Christianity. We weren't raised in the church, y'all. But God in his infinite wisdom, he knew I came from a mama who would always tell us when we were kids, I'm from the show me state. You got to show me. You can't just tell me something. The Lord took me to Jeremiah 1 and 4 through verse 10. And when I read it, I couldn't deny what God had said to me. It said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. Oh, hold up. That means I didn't do this. He set me apart. Said I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is how my call came. All of a sudden, every dream that I'd had come to pass now made sense. Here I am with my special self as a kid thinking I was a psychic because we weren't raised in the church. I didn't know. I thought I was a psychic. I'm calling this stuff deja vu when really it is the prophetic gifting that God had given me. All of a sudden, I was no longer a psychic. I now had purpose. And now I'm gaining understanding what it is that God needed me to do. The God wasn't through blowing my mind yet. I said, Lord, I don't know enough yet. And his response was in verse six. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I have appointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now it is next to impossible to mistake what God was saying to me. But somehow I had come into agreement with the voice in my head, instead of reciting the words God had spoken to me, himself. God said that to me. So when the enemy begins to arise against you and oppress you to make you doubt what God said, it's no different than what he did in the garden with Eve. No different than he's done with Adam. It's the exact same trick and it doesn't stop. It wasn't as if I heard this information secondhand. God told me directly. Now all of a sudden, Scriptures I'd researched and the stance I had gracefully defended regarding women preachers were plaguing my mind, questioning whether or not I was supposed to do this. I found myself ready to give up and let go, but something on the inside of me would not allow me to walk away. It was the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost began to bring to my remembrance every life that I saw changed, every miracle, every healing, every life that was impacted through the power of deliverance, every person who accepted Jesus Christ, every person who identified, accepted, and was now walking in their calling. Every person who moved from religion to relationship, even though the thoughts I was having said something is wrong, the odds are against you. Everything I was witnessing, everything manifesting from me, the lives of those who had been transformed told me I was doing something right and receiving my promise from the Lord. So on today, I want us to really begin to examine over the next seven days. What is it that God has spoken to you that you know that he spoke, but yet the enemy was able to come in and oppress you, was able to come in and push you off to the side and you forgot about what God spoke to you in the beginning. What is it that he needs you to fight against with his word? 
out every other kind of way. You've gotten the right clothes. You've watched how other people say things. You've surrounded yourself with the right friends, people who can advance you. You've gotten everything right except for your spirit, man. The only way to defeat a spiritual enemy is through the realm of the spirit. Oppression. It is the enemy of your soul. And that is how the enemy fights you, is through your soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your, your emotions. I'm going to say it again. That enemy attacks your soul. He comes against your mind, your will, and your emotions. The issue is, who are you choosing to agree with on today? Are you in agreement with what the devil is speaking about you? Saying that you can't, you never will, you're not strong enough, you're not big enough. God didn't, you didn't hear that from God. God didn't say that to you. Or are you going to agree with what God's word says that you are more than a conqueror? I'm going to stop here on today because I have hit you guys with a whole lot. And we're going to continue to build on next week. I'm pretty excited about this because as I'm sharing it with you, God is unearthing things in me. I'm tapping in at a different level. And I'm loving every minute of it. So for those who are watching on today, I want to pray a prayer. For those who know that they have been battling oppression. You've been battling fear. You've been battling anxiety. You've been battling depression. Remember, he starts off with oppression. Depression, possession. Oppression, depression, possession. That's the ultimate end game. He wants to possess an area in your life so that he can make you manifest what he wants. So that you don't manifest what God needs you to manifest in the earth. You've got to understand that devil is already defeated. You just got to walk it out. You've got to put your hands to the plow and do the work. So I'm going to pray a prayer today for everyone who's been in a battle. Because as you're learning and you're growing, the enemy is pushing back against you. He's using people. He's coming against you. He's saying things about you. And you find yourself with those things flying around in your mind. This foundation is going to destroy the works of the enemy. Stay in the fight. Don't give up. Don't quit. So as we pray this prayer, we're going to break some things off. We're going to trust what God is doing and how he's even doing it. I just want to give you guys a confirmation before I pray that prayer. I was sitting here when I um, was pulling up my sermon after I got to Kamika and Osi's, Pastor Kamika and Pastor Osi's, and I was um, going through my email to pull my sermon up so it could be on the iPad, and small straws uh, came through on today. And I hadn't looked at it. I usually don't look at my email until after I'm done preaching, after service. But I stopped and I looked this time because I was trying to pull up my sermon. And it lines right up with what God is saying to us right now. And I pray that you'll receive it and even come into agreement with it. Bill said, mount up, says the Lord, and go higher. No longer be earthbound. No longer be troubled by the circumstances that you are walking through. Don't be troubled by those things that come against you. For I have given you power over all the work of the enemy and circumstance that you will find yourself in. Be encouraged even in this moment that I am with you. I'm going to say it again. Be encouraged even in this moment that I, the Lord your God, am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will lead you, guide you, and anoint you so that you will have victory. So I'm going to say this prayer. Wow, I just felt that shift. Somebody caught that. Hallelujah. I felt that thing leave. Amen. So let's pray. 
most gracious and heavenly Father. Father, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. There truly is none like you. Lord, I thank you that you love us enough to send us your word through the prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, even the teachers, Lord God, as they release prophetic things that break us free, that chop off every chain that the enemy has used to bind us. And Lord God, you set us in position that we are able to prevail against our attacker, the enemy of our soul. Father, I pray this day that you would help us to shore up the walls that you have given us as a hedge of protection. Lord, that we would not break the hedge knowing that he who breaks the hedge shall be bitten by the serpent. Lord God, that you would help us to allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray for the breaking of the chains that have bound your people. I come against those chains now, right now in the name of Jesus. And I command you to be loosed now in the name of Jesus. Break every spirit of depression, every spirit of oppression, return to sender. Go back from the place in which you came. And in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over every person. Depression, no more. Anxiety, no more. We're out of agreement with you and in agreement with God. Your word declares, my peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. And we receive that peace today. We clothe ourselves in your peace. We manifest your peace in the presence of our enemy. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemy. Lord, you said goodness and mercy is going to follow us all the days of our lives. And we are in agreement with that. We refuse to be moved by the enemy, the tricks, the wiles, the works of the devil. And in Jesus' name, Lord God, we move forward by faith with you. We believe we are born on purpose, for a purpose, and with purpose. And Lord God, every demonic influence that is trying to stop, block, and hinder us, we put up a guard against them. Lord, we know that you'll lift up a standard when the enemy is coming in like a flood. We're going to walk by faith and not by what we see. We acknowledge you, God, and we declare and decree we are going to do your will. So we thank you, Father. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. For those who maybe don't know Jesus Christ and you're watching on today, just say this quick prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you died, that you whooped the devil, that you resurrected, and you ascended up into heaven where you are seated and you are praying for me day and night. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I will walk with you and we're going to talk together. I thank you for this life. I thank you for newness and for accepting me as a part of your family. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, you are now a part of the body of Christ. You are a part of a family. And you're on a winning team. So never forget that when you're on a part of a winning team, it means every W we get, <laughs> you get it too. So go ahead and accept your blessings and know that if God be for you, he's more than the world that could be against you. Thank you all for being with me on today. I look forward to being able to share the next layer of this sermon with you on next week. And we're going to continue down this road. We're going to really attack what's been attacking us. Enough is enough. I love you all. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your week.